Bush and Ritchie here with your Hometime Show podcast and we've got a star-studded treat for you right now. Yes, we have indeed. Uh, Joe Lysett, off of the telly, is on of the radio and on of the podcast next. Get it in your ears. When is the last time that you wrote a cheque? We can all agree Ooh. that cheques are moving. They're very much a thing of the past. But when was the last time you wrote one? Do you know, it even fills me with, with a bit of panic because when when you write cheques, you've got to remember how to spell like numbers. Yeah, exactly. I can't even. I can't remember last last time I've, I've written a cheque for someone. Do you know? Last what I mean? night, last night, I saw my wife write a cheque. She's got herself in some ridiculous situation where she's having to send <laughs> off to the DVLA uh, for a new driving license and actually send a check for it. Right. But there was great uh, excitement in the house as she goes, oh, I've got to find my checkbook somewhere. I've got to find it somewhere. I can't find it. Oh, <laughs> Comes out and she goes, oh, no, I've not written in this before. I went, oh, what is a new checkbook? She goes, no, 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 I've never written a check. And I went, what? Ooh. She said, I've never written a check. And I went, you're 37. How have you got to this stage? Yeah. You've never written. I could not believe it. I understand people saying, oh, I haven't written a check for a very long time. I've yeah. not written a check for a very long time, but to have never written a check, astonishing. That is that is quite mad, isn't it? Like, even, like, she's never written a, like, uh, account number on the back just to make sure, or address on the back of the check or something like that. Exactly, or, like, sent something in the post to, you know, a, a relative or a, a niece or a nephew. Or, or strummed through all the stubs, like you would look at all the play, previous places you've been on holiday <laughs> yeah. and got a stamp and think, oh, well, I remember being <laughs> exactly, in WH Smith's yeah. then. So I thought it gives, gives us a good excuse to have a good, fun game of... I have never. Quite simple. So my wife, never written a cheque. Still not sure whether I believe her or not, but that's what she claims. Uh, this is turning into an epidemic. Den the trucker says, I'm 41. I've also never written a cheque. I wouldn't know how to. I'm kind of working out whether having written cheques a little while back, is it a good thing or are you normally writing cheques for, like, not so great stuff? When do you normally write a cheque for stuff? Do you know what I mean? I'd say... At the moment, it probably is sending relatives money in a card at Christmas or birthdays and that kind of thing, and that's about it, isn't that it? Is it? Yeah, maybe it's time for knock it on the head. But it's nice. It's nice to be. What, what's more fun, you know, transferring it online or putting it in a card? That is a good point. I, I remember, I don't know if anyone else used to do this when they were kids, but like we, me and my brother used to sit there, rip open the top of birthday and Christmas cards, and just shake them onto the floor like pirates. <laughs> and seeing a check float down is a lovely feeling. It really, I'll never, you know, will never leave me that. Uh, just to throw my hat in the ring with this thing in mm -hmm. terms of uh, I have never. This is this is now unfortunately expired because I've moved from Bristol. But in my entire time living in Bristol, which is like seven or eight years, cycling to and from work. Uh, down the Bristol Bath cycle path, if anyone knows that bit, I was never overtaken on my bike. <laughs> Nobody overtook me. Wow. And now I've moved to London and Leon C and everyone's got like £3,000 carbonite bikes and they just fly past me and part me hair. Now, you <laughs> see, this is what I was going to say because the number of times you will arrive into work, we'll be sat downstairs about quarter to two and you'll go, oh, these people have been cycling past me and all that. So either <laughs> you've really, really slowed down in the move to the capital or Bristol cyclists are really slow. I think it's a little bit of both. Matthew's just tweeted says his current checkbook, uh, there is a nine-year gap between checks in 2008 and 2017. That just shows how, how bad they're getting. I like it, though, because, you know, like it's really nice to look through your passport and see where you've been. Yeah. Then checks give you an opportunity to, exactly. to have a little look back through your financial past and stuff. A couple of things on checks here. This one says, uh, Carl from Oldham here. Uh, on the show Blankety Blank with Terry Wogan, the prize was a checkbook of pen. And it seemed so normal back That's then. Very, very good point. Uh, Mark in Runcorn says, Guys, the last check I wrote was two years ago. 
ago to renew my shotgun licence. The previous stub showed that the chequebook for that was to renew my shotgun licence five years earlier. <laughs> wow. Don't go around Mark's house. Uh, I have never. Suzanne says done karaoke. Uh, Amanda, I have never... I have never eaten a kebab. Wow. wow. Never eaten a kebab ever. 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 I'm 41 years old. I've never had a kebab. I've never had a baked potato either. <laughs> <laughs> never had a baked potato. It's weird. Ke- kebabs are kind of fairly niche, but baked potatoes. How have you managed to avoid having a baked potato your entire life? I, I don't know. It's just something we never actually had at all. Bear in mind, I'm Irish and I grew up in Ireland. We never had baked potatoes. <laughs> and then it just seems... It just seems wrong to put, like, cheese on beans on a potato or tuna or something. You're just ruining a good spud, you know? Oh, cheese and beans on a baked potato is brilliant. Amanda, let's go back to your first claim of the kebab. Do you not go out much? I go out a lot, but I've never had a kebab. Pizza is my go-to food if I've had some beers. Fair play. It's an interesting call, that one. But just going back to the kebab, Richie and I are quite obsessed about the kebab thing. Uh, when, when you think kebab, are you thinking the the rotating, revolving elephant's foot thing that you see in the window of kebab shops when you're walking by? Or are you thinking a more slightly fancy kebab where you might get bits of chicken on a skewer? I'm thinking any of them. I just don't see the... No. Why would you... No, why would you eat that? No. No. Okay, well. We're learning something about you all as we go along this afternoon. <laughs> I have never. Thanks, Amanda. Cheers, mate. Take care. No worries. Have a good day. Joanne says, I've never eaten asparagus. Not missing that much, to be honest with you. Makes your wee go a bit weird. And this one says, I've never used an ATM machine. I'm 53 and I've also never watched Star Wars either. Great topic. Keep it going. Thanks very much. <laughs> it's good. Uh, Kathy, let us know. What have you done? I've never eaten from KFC ever. Wow, so you're saying sit-in or take-away, drive-through, you've not Nothing. been anywhere near a KFC? I've never had a KFC. Cathy, <laughs> let it be my responsibility to tell you how much you are missing out on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. No, no, seriously, gravy. Do you like gravy? Uh, I love gravy. You'd love, love KFC. It. Do you like little tiny um, tubs of really hot-baked beans? No. Not really. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> sweet pull, roundabouts. Pull that one back. <laughs> Try uh, a different one. Do you like uh, sweet corn? Uh, yes. There you go. Corn. If she doesn't like this one, it's a problem with me. What about barbecue sauce? Mmm, <laughs> so-so. All right, okay. So, <laughs> what's going on here? Thanks, Cathy. It's good to talk to you. No problem. Take bye. care, bye. bye. Cheers, bye. bye. Izzy in Dartford says, I have never put fuel in my car. <laughs> I've had the car for over a year. Uh, you're thinking to yourself, what's going on here? Yeah. She goes on. I knew I would find a use for my husband one day. Yeah, good on you. Good, good gag on a Thursday afternoon in the heat. Uh, Pete in Stoke on Trent says, "Neither my wife or I have ever eaten curry, and we're both in our 60s. Uh, Beth, what have you never? I've never drunk a cup of coffee. Whoa! Never had a cup of coffee in your life. How on earth do you stay awake properly? Um, tea. I think it's disgusting. Beth, have you never had? For example, a coffee sponge cake and thought to yourself, like that, I want to taste it in liquid form. Anything, coffee creams, coffee cake, coffee anything, coffee smells. It's the devil's work, it's disgusting. So you wouldn't even go for like a decaf type thing just if you didn't fancy the caffeine just for the taste, no? No, nothing, nothing. I think it's vile. It reminds me of school as teacher's breath. School teacher's breath. Teacher's breath. Wow, there you go. I love the fact that some teacher from your school has ruined a whole worldwide drink industry for you. Do you know what the weird thing is? If you went anywhere near the staff room back in the day, it did smell of kind of coffee breath, didn't it? 
it's quite a quite a lot of hates going on there. What's your favourite thing? <laughs> just before we let you go, let's just balance it up. What's your favourite thing? Favourite thing in the world is sleeping. <laughs> That's why she doesn't like coffee. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Join us this hour on the show as we go on a flight of fancy, a uh, use of our collective imaginations. I know hardly any of us are going abroad at the moment, but let's reminisce over the next hour of the show by sharing our memories of our ultimate holiday enemies. <laughs> let's be honest, right? Every holiday you go on abroad, you always end up developing an irrational dislike of a person or a family, and they stay with you for the rest of your life. It's ingrained into your soul. So if you've had a, a holiday enemy at any point... Let's share them in this hour of the show. So for me, Catalonia, about two or three years ago, there was this set of Brits. You know, you know the whole thing about um, towels on sunbeds. It's always yeah. people think it's the Germans, right? It ain't the Germans. It's the Brits. Yeah. We are the worst at it. Yeah. And this family from Birmingham used to get up at like eight o'clock in the morning and just put their towels on top of all the sunbeds when the pool opened in the hotel we were staying at. Then they'd go back to bed. <laughs> I absolutely used to hate them. They will stay, and, and unless someone can replace them as the ultimate holiday enemy for me, they'll stay top of the list. I think for me, uh, and I know we're we're here with the whole summary vibe and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I'm going back to being a kid and a skiing holiday. Ooh. We went on as a family. My mum, my dad, my two brothers. Uh, and the holiday enemy was the, the, the rep. You hated the rep. It wasn't me. It was my dad. <laughs> really, really. I like the really. cut of your dad's jib. He's never forgiven Scylla Black for not turning up at that gig. <laughs> That's very and true. now he can't stand the skiing rep. <laughs> it was p- partially down to the fact that I think we, we got there and for, for whatever reason, my dad's ski pass hadn't come through. Oh, right, yeah. Everyone else has had his once that got sorted let's go and pick his skis up ski hire also not sorted oh my for, word for my dad and and so it was all due to this 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 rep yeah and then i remember getting towards the end of the holiday and the coach transfer times for us as a family had also not been put up so, so he's and by this point he's just beyond rage person non grata it was it was the rep <laughs> i can vividly remember that holiday tino says there was an irish family that befriended us by the pool on day one. Oh, that's nice that's great we're all mates Day three, they asked if we would babysit their kids. It's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> that has escalated very quickly. Uh, Rob says his ultimate holiday enemy was French Frisbee man. He was throwing a Frisbee to his wife in a crowded pool in Tunisia. He would splash anyone that came anywhere near him. A few days and beers later, we splashed him back and we threw his Frisbee out of the pool. <laughs> that must have been so satisfying. So he says my holiday enemy was my then boyfriend. <gasps> Unfortunate. Uh, we went to Zante. I hated everything he did. For me, it was a make-or-break holiday, and it broke. We split up not long after. There's nothing worse than a proper <laughs> falling out in the early stages of a relationship on holiday. Uh, Steve from Herne Bay says, I go to Goa in January most years. Check him out. Uh, my holiday hate is a bloke we call the Fat Landlord. He's the life and soul of his own party, but a pain to everyone else. He likes to sing loud his own lyrics to Alice, which are at least disgusting. Our only joy was a few years ago when he got bad sunburn, and someone suggested he cover it in yoghurt. Worked a treat until he then decided to continue sunbathing whilst covered in said yoghurt. You could smell him for days afterwards. This guy sounds like a nightmare. Uh, We've got Kat on the line. Kat, tell us about your holiday enemy. So I went to Barcelona when I was 11 and went to a holiday park, made some friends in the pool as you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was an older boy, I think he was about 13, um, took a disliking to me. I was very small and skinny and ginger. (laughs) He uh, took it upon himself to make my life a misery for the whole week. 
he kept dunking me under the water. Uh, and eventually, yeah, he threw my, my goggles up in, well, it was, it was sort of a tree, so I couldn't get them. Horrible. Um, so what an awful yeah. boy. And then, yeah, about four days in, he rocked up to the pool, all smug and happy with himself, with his fancy new crocodile inflatable. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> right. But he wouldn't let anyone else on either. So um, I swam beneath the surface and I bit a hole in the bottom. <laughs> you don't sound capable of such a malicious act. <laughs> that must have been so satisfying. Yeah, it was my first taste of revenge, um, and I've never looked back since. How Amazing. quickly did it deflate? I've got pictures of image of it, sort of like you know, farting around the swimming pool in some kind of like comedic fashion. It did. It started. Um, it started bubbling at the side, um, but he didn't notice for a little while until suddenly he sort of was slowly sinking, submerging. Um, and wow, so you actually bit through his crocodile inflatable. So is, is this put you on a, a track in life now, Cat? Where you, you know people don't mess with you, or you you get even? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Love it. <laughs> I, look, I, look, I look everyone dead in the eye now. We're all slightly scared, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. Lovely to speak to you, Kat. Take care. Cool. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye. This text here says, We were in Tunisia and my young teenage boys were playing table tennis in a tournament. This old goy, uh, old goy joined in, uh, which was odd to say the least, as there were only teens playing. Anyway, he played my son in the final while me and my other son sat watching in disgust. <laughs> as this old boy was not only wearing budgie smugglers, but let's say when he was serving at our end, the view wasn't great. Oh, we'll leave you with that thought. Fantastic. A very good coverall from Richard. Anyone over 21 in a football kit? It's harsh, but it's probably (laughs) fair. I would say as well, sunbed bagsing seems to be the root cause of a lot of problems. And Peter has tweeted the show, he's done something that would just be liberating to do. He says, Magaluf in 2000, the last day I got to the pool early and threw every towel in the pool that was reserving a sunbed. (laughs) Then with my two-year-old sat and waited for them all to come to their beds and watch their faces. I've never laughed so much in my life. Colin says, all-inclusive in Turkey a few years ago. (laughs) A young English couple got very drunk early one day and then started play-fighting around the pool. Great. I'm already irritated no matter what else happens in this story. It's a wind-up already. He picked her up and threw her in, (laughs) where where she promptly threw up, meaning the pool then had to be cleaned out and no-one could use it. It was only 1pm. There you go. God bless Brits Abroad. Thursday's Home Time Show with Bush and Ritchie, where real music matters, and it is time to introduce a very special guest. Well, it's an honour to welcome back to the show uh, Joe Lysett, friend of the show. Can we call you friend of the show? I, I consider myself a friend of you the show. You are a friend so of the show. Yes, please do. We're going to give you, should we, should we give you the keys to Absolute Radio. You can come in any time mm. you want. If you're ever out in the what? West End, there's a shower here and everything as well. Yeah, I'd do something about this chair. Have you <laughs> seen <laughs> what's going on here? What's, do you what's know happened what? to this arm? Do you know what? As you, were, as you were being got from downstairs and then going on the uh, the, the Nasty walk of three flights of stairs. Yeah. Uh, our producer was um, a, a few minutes before that saying, I'm so embarrassed showing people into this studio and the tatty state of these chairs. Well, it, it looks like someone's been chewing it. So that, to, to the benefit of the listeners at home, yeah. uh, or wherever you are, you might be commuting, you might not be at home. That's a good point. Uh, but um, the, the, it's one of those sort of uh, ergonomic chairs, would you describe yes. it? So it's like good for the back and it feels comfortable to sit in. Yeah. And then you, you, you think when you put your hands down on the armrests that you can have a lovely smooth surface but no what you what you arrive at is what looks like someone's been 
chewing it with the <laughs> yeah. side of their mouth. It, it's got the same vibe as uh, a, a seat you might sit in if you're waiting over your driving test that's been used by loads of there people. You go. Some, some yeah. of the sponge nervous pulled out people. of it. Actually, yeah. maybe that's it. This nervous... Uh, is this the guest's chair? This is the, in, the kind of interview <laughs> that we so, do. We yeah. drill right down. So they've been grilled. So other former guests have been savaged in this chair. I that's can feel the tension. Trepidation. Do you find that your time on the Great British Sewing Bee has made people a little bit more paranoid in your company about oh. upholstery and the general state of fabrics? Not that they've uh, articulated, but I'm, I'm not a judge on that show, so I am generally going in to sort of support them rather than to Very critique true. You're them. the liaison between I am, the stand yes, judges. Yes, I'm the... I'm the um, the gooch. <laughs> between what a wonderful term. Between the sewers and the judges, I would say. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I've never described myself as that, and it's it's never been more perfect. Actually. We'll put that on your LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, we've we've had eighteen months where people have taken up hobbies and stuff because they've been trapped in the house. Mm. Uh, do you feel that that has come through in the sewing bee in terms of um, they've taken sewing and stuff to the next level? Yeah, there's, I, I get messages all the time from people that have got into sewing over lockdown, and it's a brilliant skill to have because we uh, one of the big messages of that show is about sustainability and how we should be reusing stuff even if it's damaged we can refashion it into things and every episode there is um yeah a, a, a challenge where they have to do that to take old things turn them into new things and i think if you can do that you can create extraordinary outfits for yourself that cost less than nothing cause stuff you've already got in your house um so yeah i think it's a it's a great skill to have unfortunately not one that i have got any clothes anywhere close to being good at. <laughs> we did home ec at school and mm. absolutely i remember certainly sort of my age our age doing that at school i don't i don't see my son doing that now no, all, no. all we had all i had to show for uh in home economics and textiles at school was a drawstring tie-dye bag with my initials on the front that was literally it and our textiles teachers were absolutely terrifying I was terrified yeah. of them. The sewing machine that can suck your fingers into its like metal mouth. Yeah, it's quite. Ter- I, it's what I love about the sewing bee, you've made it nice. And yeah, it approachable. was. There is something scary about it, isn't it? And the people that are involved in it. I suppose because it's a sort of technical thing, and also the sort of people that are really obsessed with sewing. The sort of people who are really obsessed with like any sort of creative thing is they're generally in their own heads and not that good at engaging with other people. But you know what though? Uh, they're a lovely bunch of people. People who are into any form, anything to do with kind of sewing mm. and uh, um, quilting. All that. They're, yeah. they're very welcoming you know sometimes yeah. people are a bit like leave our little niche alone but i yeah. feel like they're they're welcoming no, the attention God. that the show puts on them i'm in a whatsapp group for each of the series with all the sewers and that each series is still going strong they're all chatting about sewing basically <laughs> That's lovely. That's all it, they love sewing that lot and it is really lovely and it's um i love to keep in touch with them because it's nice to see what they're all up to and they're all still sewing they're all loving it and yeah Good. And you, I mean, you're a creative guy. We talked about it last time you were on. You're, you're a brilliant artist, beautiful paintings Thank and all that kind of you. stuff that you do. Have you have you kept yourself entertained when when everyone was locked locked in and all that kind of stuff? Were you all right during it? How did you fare? I'm very yeah. I'm a doer. I can't, I don't really. And and actually, my favourite time in my life was when I was a teenager. When I was that's probably not true, but some of my favourite times <laughs> in my life uh, is when I was a teenager making stuff on the computer and messing around and not having any kind of peril. It was just that oh, I'll just see what this comes out as, and if it's rubbish, don't show it to anyone. And if it's good, they might put it on the MySpace or Vivo. Vivo. <laughs> and uh, and I kind of reverted back to teenage me, just making stupid stuff in my house and painting lots. And yeah, so I, creatively, it was a really exciting time for me. Actually, it's one of my uh, sort of favourite things that came out of lockdown is the ability and the time to explore other 
creative forms. Obviously very fortunate that I was in a position to do that because a lot of my peers who are reliant on the comedy circuit were basically just desperate and scrabbling around for cash. A lot of them, to be fair, didn't declare their tax properly before. <laughs> so they didn't necessarily get the payouts that they would have done if they were declaring properly. But um, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been, I've been fine. Um, you know, no need to worry about mummy. You're okay. Mummy's going to be okay. Mummy's very versatile because there, there must have been so much prep that is going into so many of the things that you do mm. uh, in the the Joe Lice. It's got your back mm. um, part of Joe. Yeah, mummy. yeah. Um, I, I'm just constantly um, taken aback by 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 the levels of you know research and the, and, and the prep that you do going into these it, it, all these well exposés is quite a quite a out there word but you, mm. you know what I mean yeah yeah well I'm fortunate on that show that I have a massive and brilliant team who've mm. all come from things like Watchdog and Road Traders they're all people on the phones in the background all of that stuff oh wicked yeah um and I mean, I've learnt so much about how to how to run a burner phone, <laughs> so that you can you know just. Get, you know I've what? got a burner number now for just certain stuff, and it's I love it. You, have you, would you ever consider eating a SIM card if they got too close to you? Yeah, big time. <laughs> oh, I'd love yeah, to do that. Yeah. But it's almost like a more powerful watchdog, isn't it? Because like with the watchdog thing, you know, you you see them. They're they're, they're overtly, um, you know, on the bikes or you know. Wrapping mm. on front doors and all that kind of stuff, and and with you, with the with the with the recent one with with Steph and, yeah. and the packed lunch and the yacht bottles and the the, the white bottles yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff, it's almost sort of more powerful by the stuff that it's it's you and it's done with the smile, but it's it's it, the the companies don't want to be in that position. Yeah, it's interesting that one because I've, uh, Twitter has been an absolute bonfire for years, but it's <laughs> it it really was fascinating watching my career melt in front of me <laughs> deliberately yeah you know it's really fascinating watching myself cancel myself and what was uh, it like doing a storm off i mean i've seen people storm off like storm off panorama or talk shows mate. and stuff I, is it like because it's difficult because you've got to get up and unclip the microphone yeah, how yeah. was it it's a thrill i, I recommend it, it to everyone <laughs> because only a few of the producers knew on the show what we were doing and so everyone thought it was real we've got an amazing we had a camera uh, that was filming just for my show and we got this amazing shot of simon rimmer and Denise Van Outer looking at each other going, what happened there? <laughs> you know, it's really juicy. And uh, so I'm, uh, I yeah, storm out and then the camera then follows me out and at the, at the door, this lovely producer comes up to me and says, I've just been told to come and ask, are you okay? Is everything all right? And I, I had to sort of maintain character. So I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I just need a minute. Just need a second. Like, Is there anything I can get you? Everyone was so nice. Where, where do you go? When, when people do a storm off, because, mm. you know, you can't just storm off and wait by the door for someone to let you out with their lanyard. That's, yeah. That would ruin the vibe. Where did you go? <laughs> So I went out into the street and then a, we'd set it up so a producer who was in on it took me to a green room, which I then waited until the end of the show, yeah. watched the remainder of the programme, uh, <laughs> watching Twitter go insane. <laughs> and then um, uh, and then they waited for all the crew to leave before I then went to go and see Stefan have a little debrief and we filmed some bits afterwards as well. That's so cool. It was yeah. so fun. But the, yeah, people were saying on Twitter, like, why didn't you just talk about plastics and how clear plastic is easier to recycle than white plastic allegedly we have to say allegedly but it, it basically is um and uh, i was like well if i'd just gone on a show and said that 
it wouldn't have been in all the papers, <laughs> no. was it? And we were, like, trending on Twitter and uh, third what most viewed thing on BBC News. So it sort of works, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. point yeah. I mean, the, the plastics thing is a huge thing uh, and it was slowly kind of filling our environment up with the, this awful stuff. It's funny, though, because before you arrived, our producer, Nick, uh, had a, a plastic bottle uh, that he's been drinking water out of. And we are like, if mm. Joe sees, if yeah. Joe comes in and yeah. sees that, he's going to go storming spare. off. I'll be storming <laughs> off. Well, the, the whole point of why we did it is that it's impossible possible to live your life in a way that doesn't uh, interact with these things because the, the world is full of them yeah. and it's not on it's on us to a degree to do our recycling properly and try and be more mindful of what we buy but actually if these companies are making this stuff this it's hard to you know to get around it and they shouldn't be there's really no excuse these days for uh, people to be using white PET plastic bottles in my opinion because uh, you can you can achieve the same results with clear plastic which is recycled in this country and I've been to a recycling plant we filmed a sketch there a little thing which an informative sketch which will be part of the episode so yeah I'm all about it and as you said with all this that was planned for that You've got that in the discussion. It, it might not necessarily have been something that catches on if you hadn't had the storm off. Mm. I have had another idea ah. that you can go with if you want to. Yes, but please. You always do feel you them. don't have to. Joe Lice, it's got your back. Obviously, it's a programme that is working fantastically for you. Did you ever consider merging shows? Do you remember Dave Benson Phillips' Get Your Own Back? Yes, back I in the do, day? with the gunging. With the gunging. <laughs> do you think there is room for a a watchdog-style show where there is the threat of a gunging? Because you could merge the, the two together. Joe Lysett's Got Your Own Back with Dave Benson Phillips' Um, get your own back oh. and then you've suddenly got the peril yeah. of maybe in this case Yop getting gunged oh my god what about so that could, yeah and that's just a that, thought the idea is yours to take home tonight I mean subject to chatting to Dave Pinson Phillips <laughs> yeah and uh, a, a, an army of lawyers that would tell me <laughs> you can't gun someone who is not complicit in being gunned they need to sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> otherwise it is very much an attack on them yes. in the street but it's got some flaws it has yeah I mean hmm. but we, you know every everything that we kind of work out on that show has sort of limits and then we work yeah. our way around them so <laughs> I'm well into it basically yeah. I mean, amazing looking through your Twitter feed because you, you do fight the good fight against injustice on on Twitter, which is great. You're kind of like Martin Lewis's uh, cooler younger brother, I would say, in many ways. Wow, I'll take that. Thank a, you. Um, <laughs> is it hard, though, if you set your stall out on certain things? Because people then on you then, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, if they spot you walking around with this, that, or whatever, mm. it, does it put more pressure on yourself when, when, yeah. you, when you align yourself with certain causes? Yeah, I think it does. But um, uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll get caught out at some point as well, because... You know, I definitely drink yogurt drinks from bottles that are not clear plastic. Yeah. But um, I think we all, uh, you know, it, we're all trying our best, aren't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I will get caught out at some point. But this is the thing. Now I've been now stormed off Steph's show, got cancelled, and then uncancelled myself because I said it was a stunt. <laughs> now you can't really cancel me because if something <laughs> bad does come out, I'll go, oh, it was just a prank. Yes. <laughs> I was just checking to see if prostitutes are paid for. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of my investigative things. Yes. <laughs> Donald <Yeah>. McIntyre, 2.0. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big prank. <laughs> Don't worry. And then 2022, you're back touring again which must be exciting yeah no i'm really chuffed about that because it's my favorite thing it's the uh, a wonderful 
uh, art form. Some people don't consider it the Arts Council of Britain, sometimes, <laughs> uh, of England, sorry. Um, sometimes don't consider it as an art form. But I think it is so simple. I always loved, um, before I did stand-up, I used to go to the comedy store in Manchester and go to the Late Show after working in the theatre. I used to sell ice creams. And I just loved that, just before the show, seeing the microphone in the stand and thinking that anything could happen with that. There's like, it's sort of um, this sort of potential energy in this one thing and mm. uh, who knows what's going to be said and what you know whether you'll feel offended or laugh or whatever i love that and still do and so it's been a real joy to go back on stage recently doing some trial gigs and even though they've been socially distanced audiences they've generally been really th thrilled what's that been like because you know the weird thing is when you when you do something like you know for a lot of people standing in front of an audience like that and telling jokes mm. on your own is absolutely terrifying uh but you you do it if you if you gig so frequently you don't type of think about it you just go and do it yeah but when you've had a long time and i think bands have probably had a similar thing where they've not been able to rehearse or practice yeah. did, were you nervous getting back into it or felt a bit rusty or any of that kind of stuff That's so rusty yeah really didn't know what I was doing at all and that was very clear to the audience <laughs> but it, it does it comes back quickly but it is it's hard to you know when you've been away for that long from anything yeah. your just brain is not wired for it and it has to sort of build up those sort of uh, neural pathways I suppose again but um it hasn't taken long and I now definitely feel a lot more I'm nowhere near kind of match fit but I know what I need to do in order to get there for and it's not till March the tour next year so that's loads of time that's loads of time isn't it it'll, be, it'll fine, be, fine. be fine so what is next in terms of if people want more Joe Lysett what can they do how can they get more Joe Lysett well I'm very much single so if you wander around Birmingham enough <laughs> with some sort of flesh showing I may I may approach um, but if you would like to so Joe, Joe Lysett's got your back will be on Channel 4 later this year without gunging without gunging sadly I don't, what, is there anything even close to Gunge this series? No. Hold it back, hold it back. Yeah, let's not. It'll be we there. need to sit with it and, yeah, yeah. and we need to call Dave Benson Phillips. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to <laughs> There's a lot of admin to do for it, yeah. Uh, and then um, there are a few secret projects in the works. One at Christmas, which I'm so excited about, but I can't tell you anything about it. Um, but at Christmas, I'll be doing something on the television, which mm -hmm. is a, a kind of dream of mine and we're working on it at the minute and if, if I pull it off I'll be delighted it's quite hard to do and it's very scary what I'm doing so it might not happen but it You'll hear about it at some point. Amazing. What about that? Joe Lysett, if I pull it off, I'll be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually very pertinent to the content of the show as well, actually. <laughs> uh, it was always an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Joe Lysett, thank you so much. Thank you. A huge thank you again. It's such a lovely chapter, Mr. Joe Lyser. And if you want to go and finally get to go and see some live comedy, and we urge you to go and do this, uh, you can check out details of his tour right now on our Twitter at Absolute Radio. And as an FYI, that's not just two presenters saying he's a lovely chap, but then, like, you know, we turn the microphones off and we're just like, not me. He's a lovely chap. He's one of those people, when we've had him on the show, he's ha we'll happily stay around whilst the song's on after we've finished. Yes. And keep chatting, which, which I, I think is a sign of a nice person. He's actually still here right now, but he's quiet in the corner. Come on, Joe. Get home, mate. <laughs> Come on, please. <laughs> Hope you're having a good uh, Thursday so far and keeping cool. Richie and I went for our little uh, pre-show planning meeting. Yes, we do actually plan this uh, uh, beforehand, but earlier on. It was really hot when we were sat there. It was very and, hot. And I just cycled as well. So I had to take a load of uh, napkins from the first floor here at, at work and was was mopping my brow as, as I was chatting to Richie. And you know, I was thinking, we should bring back hankies. You know hankies for when people used to perspire yes. back in the day? Like John Candy's character in uh, the Kevin Costner JFK movie with the sunglasses on and, yeah. and wiping his forehead. Why do, why do we bring hankies back for that? We laugh. We laugh at our grandparents' generation 
and they'd, they'd have a blazer and they'd have a hanky in the top pocket. Little pocket cheap Right thing. now, who's laughing? Well, I'd say my granddad is because if we continued with that attire rather than going around with no socks on and boating shoes and all that kind of stuff looking absolutely ridiculous, uh, but instead had a hanky in our top pocket, it'd be much more practical. It would be. And also, like my, my dad's got a hanky, right? My dad carries a hanky everywhere. He can uh, wipe chops and faces on little grandkids and stuff and I'm always having to find like wet wipes. Yep. Uh, and he's got an overnight uh, reminder system we can tie a knot in his hanky under his pillow and he knows the next morning whereas I'd have to get up and unlock my phone. Here's my vow to you. Here is my vow to you. You have the next fortnight uh, as a break and then home time returns, recharged. Uh-huh. Okay, I will have failed you if in the interim fortnight I have not persuaded our boss to go with the next run of home time merchandise as Bush and Ritchie <laughs> hankies. Uh, imagine that with just our names and braided in the corner. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Monogrammed. Little oh, so good. B&R, okay, and then to make it subtle, rather than say Absolute Radio, just say B&R, and it'll have the little purple double arrow. Or, or we could find out what Latin is of where real music matters. Uh, Whereas <laughs> matters. 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 <laughs> Watch this space. So there you go. That's Joe Lysett, lovely man. Go and see him on tour a bit earlier on and the show as well. And that, for me, is the last podcast now for a couple of weeks because I'm off. Yes, you have. So uh, that's the next ten that will be considerably shorter. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give you a heads up.